from the Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. All right. Hate to turn off Wilco. Anyone else Wilco fans? Anyone Wilco fans? Yeah, you're, you're showing me the money you got for me. I'm happy for you. We exchanged a penny for a quarter. He had the penny, I had the quarter. And then I'm like, hey, how about 100 pennies for that quarter? And most kids say, no. And then I laugh because I'm like, I'm smarter than you. And this kid's like, yes. And I'm like, you are smarter than me. So that's how, that's how I got oh, to get rid of that. There we go. That's how it worked this morning. All right. So Nikki, like she said earlier, if you didn't get a chance to listen to Nikki's message and you're unfamiliar with the story of neighborhood, um, Nikki, because it was our th- third, what do you call it, birthday anniversary. It's been three years since we've been in neighborhood church. And on November, it'll be seven years that we have been a church. And Nikki goes through um, some of the beautiful parts, some of the hard parts, and the inner workings. Um, so I encourage you to listen. And what I'm talking about today is... Why in the world do we keep doing this thing called church, <laughs> right? Why, wh- why are we doing this, and where are we headed? And then um, I'm a pastor, so I have to have three tips, not two, not four, always three, uh, on how we're actually going to keep um, doing this thing that we call um, neighborhood. Um, and really, like, when we planted as Cloquet Vineyard and who we are as neighborhood church, it's very similar. We have the same Values. If you want to, whatever, if you're in the building, right, or if you want to find our values, you can go online as well. But um, we plant. We came with those values about a year before we planted. We went away on a weekend retreat with uh, Jenny Birch, and um, she helped like like um, get those out. How we express those values has changed, and that is any organization and or any family or circle friend or maybe even a church. You can have similar values and how those are played out and how those are experienced should evolve over time. But how we started this church, or I shouldn't say how, why we started this church um, was this. Um, and you and I, uh, we just talked, Tony and I just talked about this, of we started this church because um, we really do believe that there's a good and beautiful God that wants nothing but good and beautiful things for us. If you've been around from the beginning, you should be exhausted of hearing good and beautiful. My dad rolls his eyes every time I say it. I'm like, good and beautiful. He's like, oh, brother, here we go again, all right? Um, uh, no, he doesn't do that. <laughs> um, but we say it a lot because when people hear of God or church or they hear I'm a pastor, right? When they hear them pastor, uh, I get two responses. Either it's like, oh, that's interesting, or like, oh, brother, here we go again, right? When people hear the word God, they don't automatically think of good. When people hear the word God, what do most people think of? Judgment, shame, apology. Most times when I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor, like, I'm so sorry. Even when I, I'm aware if, if I call or text someone who hasn't been around for a while, like, I'm genuinely curious, like, Hey, Sarah, I haven't seen you for a while, all right? How are you doing? Most people are like automatically principal's office, right? Uh, send Chris down to the principal's office. It's never like, maybe he's going to give me a dollar, right? It's like you're always in trouble, and people have the idea of pastors or church. They think of 
And the reason they apologize, because if your belonging is attached to that system, right, I'm going to go deeper into that, if your eternal salvation or damnation is attached to that, to that, that, that circle, you better apologize, right? Because you want to stand good graces with that God. And so we've been saying good and beautiful God because we want to reframe. We want to help people reimagine what it means to be connected to this divine. That if for like a second, maybe someone heard God or church or spirituality and they automatically thought about something good and beautiful, maybe they'd look in the mirror and they'd say, I'm good and beautiful. Because the more that we come into this um, relationship to this infinite, expansive wildness of this divine love, of this God, the more we're going to find out about who we are. And so what uh, Tony and Cindy, who are getting married, remarried, we're having a ceremony next Saturday, right? We're, um, uh, we were talking, Tony asked, I hope you don't mind that I asked this question, right? He, he's like, do you just like not like other words? <laughs> like, because he was talking about using the word blessed, Right? In his vows, like, do you, like, not like the word blessing or being blessed? And I'm like, no, I'm actually a big fan of that word. But we use that word good and beautiful because um, it's catchy, right, honestly. It's warm. It's inviting. And that's what I want people to think about God. So here's the question, though. If that's how we started, why do we keep doing this? Because, um, of course, we're the hippest with it wow church around. We all know that, right? Obviously. But if you could, like, just take yourself out of this hip, cool culture, and you were just like, maybe you, you didn't go to church, or it's been a while, and I went up to you, and I said, Nancy, do I got a great idea for you. You only get two days off. And one of those, you're going to wake up on Sunday morning, early, and you're going to sing, and you're going to talk to people that you don't know, and some dude who thinks he's got a big, humble brag about himself, right? Um, is going to talk for about 20, 30 minutes. Doesn't that sound fun? And actually, maybe you're going to have to yell at your kids and shame them to get to this good and beautiful church, right? It's, it seems kind of asinine, in a sense. I've actually had people like, Chris, why this whole church thing? Um, why? Why do you keep doing it? And here's why. Is I believe in it. I really do. I'm here today because of you. There is a place where I, and I'm going I'm to get into this in detail, there's a place where I get to show up and be my fullest self. Like the way that you interact with your friends, the way that you interact with your job, the way that you raise your two beautiful kids, the way that you show up in a room, the way you get clear about what it is that you really want, the way you are networking and working through all your blended family, right? Like all of that to me matters. It inspires me that we can do hard things. And of all the places right, of all the places of where I need inspiration and encouragement, it's this place. And we're not all best friends, right? Like, we don't know the inner workings of every detail of our life, but by you showing up and being honest and vulnerable, it, it brings transformation. Like, this, like, coming to church and me, I'm reading two Bible verses today. You're welcome, right? You're lucky. You get two instead of one. Um, uh, the, the, the Bible is, is the Word of God, Right? But what does that mean? The Word of God points us and inspires us to engage with the living God. Like the Word of God didn't stop when those in like the, what, the fourth, the fourth century that someone put that, I keep, the Bibles used to be over there, that's why I'm pointing over there, right? In the fourth century when they organized, put all those books together, it's not like, now, Word of God is done, right? But us talking before you walked in is the Word of God. Us talking about what you love about each other and your wedding 
is the word of God. You talking with your baby and everyone else looking at your baby because we love babies, all right, is the word of God. Because what does the word of God do? It inspires us to connect with that divine love. So everywhere you go, that, that word of God is being inspired and being there. And what a holy thing. And we get to do that. You can do that in a clink of a glass. And the reason that we planted seven years ago and our dream of where we're going is we have a place, like what, there's like 17, 20 of us here, right? There's a place where you can still show up, pretend that we remember each other's names, right? <laughs> it's true, right? Laugh, and then maybe have a, like, a very average conversation, but maybe it's going to blow up into something incredibly life-giving. Like when, uh, when you showed up and you guys, you hugged, I'm like, I didn't know you guys were like hugging friends. That's, that's a, all right, like that's a, that's, a beautiful, that's a beautiful thing, right, to hug Tim and Nancy when they walk in. I have a place of where people know me right? I, I, I've always wanted a place, a church of where, uh, where we can bump into each other, we can say hi, then maybe we can bump into each other at like Super One. Maybe we could say, hey, let's go for a walk in Jay Cook. Or we could say, like yesterday I met uh, one of my pastor friends at the Northeastern Bar down here, right? I, I love the neighborhood. I believe in the neighborhood. And our dream in the next like, let's say five years, is that we have, like, another three to five neighborhood churches in this area. Because, like, we did the whole, like, we had 400 people, something like that at the beginning. And um, it, 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 was it fun? It, yeah, it, it mattered, right? It mattered. And Nikki, Nikki used to call it um, destination church, right? Because people would show up, and there's this auditorium, a beautiful sound, and, and people would be like, ah, oh, yes, I have arrived because... We, it was a good experience. It really was. But it took like 40 people every week to make that experience happen. And the people after the first year like, yeah, this is great. We're going to do it. After one year of moving all that stuff in and out, and it would take like three hours to get everything set up, they're like, yeah, good and beautiful. No more. I'm out of here. Because <laughs> it was exhausting. And what we're doing now and where we're going is that we have a very um, simple, I guess, right, is the word, right? It's a very, I hope that it's very easy to engage with and that it's fun, that's relaxing and it's inspiring. And so we really want to see another three to five neighborhood churches. We're starting one hopefully this fall um, in um, Riverside. Is that what, yeah, that'd be Riverside, right? Um, close to Gary, New Duluth. My dream is to have one in Chester Park, one in Superior, uh, maybe one in Lakeside, a place where 30 to 50 people could gather to hang out, inspire, and remind each other that we can do hard things. So how do we do this? This is the big one. How do we continue to do this? Here's my three tips. First one is this, um, is you have to pursue your fullest self. And I say this all the time. And the reason I say it is the same reason as good and beautiful God. Many people I interact with when it comes to not just spirituality, but just about their quality of life, they still play this narrative of when they were in high school or college. They still play this idea of what their mom or their dad, one person, what their baseball coach told them, right? So I guess that's all I'm ever going to be. I'm always going to be like the slightly overweight, so I have to overcompensate and be funny, right? I'm always going to be the intellectual person that needs to remind everyone how smart I am. I'm only going to be, you fill in the blank. And like, what I see in the Bible, what I see in the people that are thriving and who are happy and content, they're this ever long journey of discovering who they are and you'd never arrive 
I've learned this from people who are me. They never arrive because wherever you find yourself, there's going to be this place of curiosity and wonder that says, well, what else? There's going to be this ever-expansive journey of yourself, and everything is an opportunity. And the only way that I know how to do it takes four things. Wonder, curiosity, vulnerability, and honesty. And everybody loves the first two. Wonder, curiosity, yeah, I'm in it. Okay, now can you be vulnerable and honest? And everyone's like, no thanks, see you later. Because we're so used to playing the game, right? We're so used to playing this game of, in order for me to get X, Y, and Z what I want, I don't deserve that in being my true self. I can only navigate that. I can only get that in my false self. We do this in family systems. We do this in jobs. We do this in circle of friends. Like we went to ESCO fun days yesterday and we're at the parade and I could feel myself wanting to change. I could feel myself wanting to honestly like lower myself of just like, okay, just don't look people in the eye, just stay in your business. And that's not who I am, right? I feel this temptation to change because I don't think I'm good enough to have an honest conversation with people. I feel like uh, maybe what I did or who I am is just too much and everyone just wants to distance themselves from me, so I'll, I'll do it first to avoid being hurt, right? That's playing a game. And the times where I've experienced the most transformation has not been me planning it. All right, on August 13th, I'm going to uh, have this conversation. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to listen to this podcast. And mind blown, it's been most of the time it's been in places that has been stolen time right, not planned time, where someone else was willing to hold that space with me, that they were curious, and they, they had a sense of wonder, they were honest, and they were vulnerable. And me doing the same thing wasn't a threat to them. The story I've, I've told, I don't remember the last time I told it, but I use it often, um, is uh, I'm at Gooseberry State Park with my buddy Jeremy Weaver, and we're um, walking on the trail, and our kids are running around. And for like the first six months before this, I started finally asking the question of like, what do I really believe that God or Paul in Romans 1 is saying about queer people, right? Like, and, and in that form way of thinking, it just, you never questioned it. Bible said it, I believed it, right? So it's like, I guess Paul says in Romans 1, I guess we got to hold on to that. And I started having meetings with other pastors and other leaders, and it was all, hey, I want to talk with you. Don't tell anyone. It was absolutely, like, in secret. I would download a podcast of something on it, and then I would delete it because I didn't want to know that I was listening to it, right? Um, and I, I, I read articles. I didn't even get books because I was afraid of someone might see me reading this book, right? I had all this fear from being curious, right, and wonder and all that. So I'm walking with my buddy Weaver, and finally it just came, and there was no one else that could hear us. We're in the middle of the woods. I said, hey, Weaver, what do you think about, like, being an inclusive church or person when it comes to LGBT community. And he didn't, like, miss a beat. It was like he was waiting on it. He goes, oh, yeah, I've been there forever. And his parents um, were pastors. And one of the best pastors I ever met, inspiring and a mentor to me, but took a very much fundamental evangelical stance on it. So I just kind of assumed, right, that we would have the same stance. And so when he had that quick reaction... I stopped. I said, Jeremy, why have we never talked about this? We've been friends for, man, 20 years now, I think, right? How come we've never talked about it? He goes, well, two things. You never asked, and I know what happens when people bring this up. And it was like someone slapped me across the face of like, I wake, and I'm like, you're right. 
That's why I did all these meetings in secret, because I was afraid if I have this question, if I'm curious, and I can't be honest and vulnerable. Why? Because you get cut out. And when you, I said it earlier, when your belonging is tied to a community or your belonging is tied to a doctrine, right? And if that changes, then you're out. And for those of you who have experienced that, maybe with family or friends or maybe a church, it's hard. That's not even the word. That's not even the right word. It's it, it kills you, and it's funny. I previously would go out of my way. I would do things that would compromise my character. Not illegal, right? But things I would never think about doing or saying or not saying because I was afraid of what would happen, right? And in this same journey, the same journey. I, I know I said this before too. I met with two pastors of these mega churches, and I just said, "Hey." How do you talk to people who ask about creationism? The, the earth was created in six days, six literal days, and, or evolution, which that's what I believe in. And I was getting some pushback from some people, and um, I just said, hey, since you're here, and they both looked at me and said, don't tell people what you really believe. Just shut it down. Don't. And I remember looking at them like, what, what kind of pastor would I be? I'm like, oh, I have done that. I was just really kind about it. I was just really good at, like, diverting and saying, oh, well, what do you think? And, oh, let's get a cup of coffee and we'll never follow up, right? I was really good at hiding those things. And where I'm at now is my belonging is not tied to neighborhood church. I am a big fan of this church, right? My belonging is not, is not tied to a set of um, questions or answers. It's not set, tied to a set of doctrines. The belonging has always been in here. The belonging, that divine love, we awaken with breath after breath after breath. And I'm a huge fan of doctrine and theology and questions I, and neighborhood, all those things. But if my belonging is not tied to those things, then it's never a threat. Think of what could change in a family system if it wasn't like, hey, Scary Gary showing up. We better be quiet around Scary Gary, right? What if, what if how would that change your circle of friends? How could that change a church? By being honest and curious and vulnerable was not seen as less than. But that was the norm. That we could all come at this thing we call God, right? What we call divine love. We can come from it from like millions of different ways and we say all of it belongs. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. He, he, there's this argument of like, who, like who's cooler? Who's better? Like Apollo, Cephas, or Paul? And it's kind of like this celebrity culture. And they're saying, no, 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 I belong because I'm with this guy. I'm rolling large with Paul. And Paul says, I should just probably read it. Um, uh, he says um, this, stop talking about these celebrities. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. I haven't read that. I, I still remember Rob Bell talking about this. This was like, I don't know, three, four years ago. And I paused it. And I'm like, I've heard that verse before. And I missed it. Right? I always got on the argument piece. That line, all things are yours, would get Paul fired from most churches today. Right? That, that idea of what Paul is saying is everything in this world, past or present or future, right? Life or death, all of it is connected. All this world, this thing we call life, everything already belongs to you. We get to awaken to that reality. We get to find our fullest versions of ourselves if we're willing to believe it. 
And you are absolutely worth finding your fullest self. You are worth discovering who you are and continuing to do it. If we want to be neighborhood church, like what I'm talking about, this is the fundamental piece, that we're willing to be curious, uh, full of wonder, honest, and vulnerable. Next two, way shorter than the first one. Um, and this one is, is actually kind of is, is interesting to me. Um, it, the next one is like, invite people to church. Yay. <laughs> and when I was like processing and praying and thinking about this, like I kept coming back to these last two. The first one is obviously most important. But I'm like, why does it feel weird to talk about inviting people to church? And it, one of them is... Um, we, we shut the church down for, like, what, 14, 15 months, right? And there's something still in the back of my mind that still feels like, well, people just don't want to go to church because COVID, right? I talk to a lot of people about spirituality and about church, and what I've discovered that people don't go to church because they don't get invited, honestly. Now, there's a whole other reasons of trauma and toxicity of church, but if someone, I kind of role-played with this. If someone invited me to their church and they didn't know I was a pastor or still they invited me to church, it'd be one of two reasons. One, they have a theology that says I need to be saved and they, they think, oh, Chris is going to hell and he's going to burn in hell. And, right? So I can't help but I hear hell. Um, then they want me to get saved and then I'd be like, yeah, no, thanks, but uh, thanks for thinking of me, right? Thanks for that you want me to be rescued. But it's kind of a bait and switch, Right? I was a part of that culture for a very long time. Um, but if the reason was that they knew me enough and they were sitting in a space and it was a positive experience, and like, you know who would love this? Solder. That would make me feel incredibly loved. We do this all the time. Like, I've been um, preaching. Uh, I've been on evangelism of the TV show called The Bear. Anyone watched The Bear on Hulu yet? Oh, man. It is so incredibly good. My wife is sick of me trying to force her to watch it. So she not, she's like me. If someone said that enough times, I'm like, guess what? I'm never watching that show just out of spite now. So um, Cindy, you must be the same. You're like, yes, it is. So I won't, I'm not going to bring it up again because it's good. When we have a positive experience, right? Like Wilco, my favorite band. I try getting everyone to listen to Wilco. Church is no different. If it's a place that's safe for people to be honest, wonder, uh, and vulnerable. So I would encourage you, if there's someone that you think about, you know who would really benefit from this kind of community? You know who would benefit from this kind of vibe? Like Molly Rotondo, every Sunday for the last couple of weeks, I know she's watching, she um, shares the, the stream and she goes, come to church with me. And I'm like, That's, that inspired me. I, I, I love that. And so if there's someone in your life that you feel like could benefit from this place, invite them. Because the more people we have, not just to fill seats, but the more stories, the more expressions, the better we are, Right? And lastly is this. Um, and this, if you have been following us for a while, I never, rarely bring up. And mainly our board says, hey, Chris, can you talk about this once in a while? Um, we have to be our full selves, invite people to church, and give financially. Right? I am well aware of pastors and churches and money and the stigma that comes with it. We never use the word tithes or offerings um, because uh, I've seen a culture of it being um, horribly manipulative, right, of, of even trying to, oh, man, I sh don't let me talk about this longer for 10 seconds, Nikki, right? <laughs> even the idea of biblically, and people say, well, you should give 10% because, you know, they did this with the temple, and how we um, propagate that for today is just, like, 
culture, like we're robbing from a culture and a story and a history that does not equate to today, all right? But what the value of the Bible is, is that we should be generous. Absolutely. In all things, we should be generous. And we're here today, and the way that we keep doing this, you're sitting on chairs that about three years ago, maybe a little longer than three years ago, we took some money because we said, hey, we have this really hip new space, and uh, we need places for people to sit. And there's a group of people um, who gave money, knowing that someday a nameless, faceless stranger is going to be sitting in those chairs. And they were generous with their money. We were able to plant this church because there was a bunch of people um, that were never going to step foot into that church but believed, hey, whatever this ragtag group of people are going to be doing in Cloquet, we're willing to give to it because they know in this kind of community there's going to be transformation if we're willing to be honest, vulnerable, right? Keep doing a whole bit over and over again. And so um, if you have not given, I encourage you to give. Those listening online or uh, on the podcast, I strongly encourage you to give. Um, because I believe in this place. And if you find inspiration, I encourage you to give. Now, here's the thing. We have people who give tens and tens of thousands of dollars every year, and we have uh, a lady that um, she goes on walks around town. Anytime she finds change on the ground, she picks it up, puts it in an envelope, and brings, and brings it to the church. She's a, st- a sustaining member as much as someone who gives tens of thousands of dollars. So to me, it's not about the amount, right? A big fan of the higher amount, but it's not about the amount, right? It's about if this place belongs and you have vision for where we're going, I encourage you to give. So I'm very thankful that I get to be a part of this this beautiful thing we call Neighborhood Church. So I'm going to pray, and then Nikki's going to end us with a, with a song. So join me if you'd like. So God, we, we love you, and I thank you for the story of uh, who Neighborhood has been. And I am thankful for who neighborhood is going to continue to be. And I thank you that this whole belonging piece isn't just some sort of shtick, isn't just some sort of thing we say that we can find and awaken to the belonging that has always been there and always will be. So I pray you help us in this journey of becoming our fullest self. And I thank you that we can have a community where other people can pop in for a little bit. They can stay for the whole time. They can be a part of something where the real them is not a threat. And I believe that. So God, we love you. pray you be with us this week as we continue to do hard things. Amen.
they are falling on every face and there is freedom so give your all to Jesus and there is freedom and give your all to Jesus there is freedom and lift your eyes to heaven and there is freedom oh lift your eyes to heaven and there is freedom showers of mercy and grace they are falling on every face and there is freedom and Jesus reigns in this place and showers of mercy and grace they are falling Yes, there is. There's freedom for every single one of us. So bless you. Thank you for coming to church this Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your day.